What started out as a spring break trip to Myrtle Beach turned into a missing person investigation of a teenage girl from Rochester, New York. It would be over a decade before the family of Brittany Drexel would finally get some answers. A crime solved and a killer sentenced, all because he finally confessed. My name is Blake Mosley, and this is South Carolina Spook Show. that kept a Rochester family on edge for 13 years and kept the nation in suspense as investigators searched long and hard for the high school junior who vanished in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Dawn Drexel will never forget the moment that she got the phone call informing her that her teenage daughter was missing. In April of 2009, Brittany Drexel told her mom that she would be spending a few days at a friend's house in Rochester, New York. Unbeknownst to Drexel, her 17-year-old daughter was, in fact, over 800 miles away on a spring break trip in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, without her permission. In an exclusive interview, Drexel told 2020 that she didn't want her daughter going on a trip unsupervised. I said, there's no parental supervision. Something is going to happen to you, Drexel said. Brittany was last seen leaving a Myrtle Beach hotel lobby and was never seen again. It's just a parent's worst nightmare, Drexel said. Drexel searched tirelessly for Brittany, desperate to know what had happened to her daughter. It would take 13 years for her family to finally begin to get some answers. In May of 2022, Raymond Moody, who had been a person of interest for over 10 years, allegedly confessed to killing the teen and led law enforcement to her remains, according to 15th Judicial Circuit solicitor Jimmy Richardson in an interview with ABC's Charleston affiliate WCIV. 2020 reveals new details about the investigation into Brittany Drexel's murder in an episode that aired October 14th, 2022, and features exclusive interviews with Brittany Drexel's family and friends, investigators, and other key figures involved in the case. Moody was charged with obstructing justice, kidnapping, criminal sexual conduct, and murder. I will never forgive him for what he did to my daughter, Drexel said. Dawn Drexel said that she didn't know that her daughter had gone down to Myrtle Beach until she heard from her daughter's boyfriend, John, a few days later. John didn't travel with Brittany to Myrtle Beach, but kept in constant contact with her, text messaging his girlfriend during her trip until their text exchanges abruptly stopped on April 25th, according to Drexel. Investigators said that they tracked Brittany Drexel's cell phone pings to a location nearly 50 miles south of where she was staying in a rural, swampy area. Despite searching the dense and desolate Lowcountry Swamp extensively on horseback, ATV, and foot, investigators came up empty-handed. I knew she was somewhere out there, but you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, are we ever going to find her, Drexel said. In 2011, investigators conducted a search at a motel in Georgetown, South Carolina, where Raymond Moody, a registered sex offender, had been staying at the time of Brittany Drexel's disappearance. 
Moody had returned to his hometown of Georgetown, South Carolina, after being convicted and serving approximately half of his 40-year sentence in California for multiple sexual assaults. Police had identified Moody through the local sex offender registry. Moody had also been pulled over for a traffic violation near Myrtle Beach the day after Brittany Drexel vanished. Though the search of the motel produced no evidence that could connect Moody to Brittany Drexel, details from the pullover provided clues. At the time of that traffic stop, Moody had scratches on his face, according to Chuck Cap, a retired Myrtle Beach police lieutenant who was involved in the investigation. In an exclusive interview with 2020, Ernest Merchant, a former romantic partner of Raymond Moody, said that a couple of days after Brittany Drexel had gone missing, Moody showed up at his home unexpectedly. I saw that his face had claw marks all over it, said Merchant. His neck, cheeks, he had a shaved bald head, and his head was just clawed, added Merchant, recalling his encounter with Moody. But the police would not fully understand the connection until years later. While authorities have not released many details about what led them to now charge Moody, Brittany Drexel's family said that authorities told them that investigators had obtained new evidence via enhanced surveillance video and cell phone data. I think it was a lot of the cell phone data, because they could place Moody at the same time and same location as Brittany's cell phone, said Don Drexel. Solicitor Jimmy Richardson, the district attorney of the case, told ABC's Charleston affiliate WICB Media that video captured the car that Moody was allegedly driving the night of Brittany Drexel's disappearance. Don Drexel told 2020 that she was shocked when she learned that Moody was in custody. You've got to be kidding me, she said, realizing that Moody had been identified as a person of interest back in 2011. Solicitor Richardson told WICB that he believed Brittany Drexel got willingly into Moody's vehicle, but that soon after, it turned into a kidnapping. In Drexel's mind, her daughter, who did not like walking, might have been hoping for a ride back to her hotel the night that she vanished. Richardson told WICB that Moody allegedly took Brittany Drexel to a boatyard landing on the Santee River, where he raped and murdered her, and then allegedly buried her body a few miles away in a wooded area in Georgetown County. In May, the day that law enforcement held a press conference announcing Moody's arrest, her family was taken to the site where her remains were found. Brittany Drexel's remains were positively identified through her dental records. I think I went numb again, and I was just so angry, Don Drexel said. Brittany Drexel's brother drew a heart and Brittany's soccer jersey number in the dirt where his sister's body had been found just standing there where she was. It's very hard for me, said Camden Drexel, but it gave me closure. Brittany Drexel's father, John Kalayu, told 2020 that there is still an emptiness in their hearts. There's no such thing as closure. We have to live with this for the rest of our lives. We have to learn how to live with it, he said. Brittany Drexel's mother believes that Moody should have never been let out of prison on his prior convictions and is hoping to have her day in court to confront her daughter's alleged killer. My mom was destined to find my sister from day one, said Marissa Drexel, Brittany's sister, in an exclusive interview with 2020. But we're just waiting for justice for her now. Coming up on South Carolina Spook Show. By day, Poinsett Bridge, one of the oldest bridges in the whole state of South Carolina, offers a quiet, remote setting amidst the mountains of northern Greenville County for relaxing and exploring. But by night the bridge becomes the site of seemingly unexplainable paranormal activity. And later, 
We've had our fair share of cryptids and urban legends in this state, such as the Hound of Goshen and the Lizardman. But can we now add Bigfoot to that list? There's more to come on South Carolina Spook Show. Stay tuned. By day, Poinsett Bridge, one of the oldest bridges in the whole state of South Carolina, offers a quiet, remote setting amidst the mountains of northern Greenville County for relaxing and exploring. But by night, the bridge becomes the site of seemingly unexplainable paranormal activity. The bridge is, in fact, not only the oldest surviving bridge in the state, but also perhaps the oldest in the southeast region at large. It earned its place among the National Register of Historic Places in 1970. It's only natural, then, that Poinsett Bridge is a popular destination for both locals and those visiting from out of town. From Traveler's Rest, you need only to take a 20-minute drive northeast to discover this historically significant landmark. Take US 25 north and then merge right onto Old Highway 25. When the road forks after dividing Water Road, bear to the right to get onto Callahan Mountain Road. The bridge will be on your left, but you'll need to park on the lot in the right side of the street. When you cross the street to see the bridge, you'll be greeted by a stone marker that gives you a very brief intro. The marker reads, This bridge on the state road from Greenville to Asheville was built in 1820 by Abram Blanding, Atney Commissioner, Board of Public Works, Joel R. Poinsett, President. Marker placed by Nathaniel Green Chapter, Daughters of American Revolution. You can walk over the bridge to the other side and also walk under its stately 15-foot gothic arc. That is, if you don't mind getting your feet wet in the shallow waters of the Little Gap Creek, which runs below the bridge. Other favorite ways to pass the time here include exploring around the bridge, picnicking, and taking pictures with friends and family. Poinsett Bridge enjoys a lush, shaded, and very quiet setting. All that lies within immediate reach is the 120-acre Poinsett Bridge Heritage Preserve, as well as the Boy Scouts Camp Old Indian, and further off, a few residents. This may come as a disconcerting thought when night falls, as several visitors to the bridge attest to strange happenings at Poinsett Bridge after dark. So, what exactly happens at Poinsett Bridge at night? Several locals say that they have been unable to start their cars when they get ready to leave, says local Doris Davis. A light is said to move toward them while they sit in their cars. They hear a loud scream when the light gets close. Screams and lights seem to be the most common experiences. I've heard voices coming from the area of the arch, screams around the top of the bridge, and I've seen red, white, and green lighted dots floating on the mountainside, similar to a lantern, says Taylor's native Mike Ross. Others sense more of a fear-instilling presence. About four years ago, I drove my neighbor, her boyfriend at the time, and one of their friends up there, as soon as I shut off the engine and rolled down the windows, we could hear movements around us. I had my hand resting on the door when I felt a man's rough hand and fingers grab onto mine, says Greenville-born Shanna Clippard. I've been up there several times throughout the years, but it never fails at night to see, feel, or hear something that would leave most paralyzed, including myself. Among the locals who haven't experienced the strange happenings for themselves, many can, nonetheless, name someone that they know who's been spooked at Poinsett Bridge. My uncle said that he saw a white figure there at night, says Greer native Liza Evans. 
Hauntings have been so synonymous with the bridge that it's been featured in the roundups of the area's most notable ghost stories, such as the YouTube miniseries Haunted Echoes, South Carolina, and John Boynoski's book Ghosts of Upstate South Carolina. Local lore about the hauntings also helped to draw the interest of ghost hunters, like the Ghost Paranormal Research Organization, or Ghost Pro. When they visited the site in 2008, they noticed random appearances of red and white lights near the bridge. There are no residents, no street lamps, communication towers, or any lighted signage within an appreciable distance to account for the phenomena witnessed, the team wrote. During their visit, they also took nearly 400 photos around the bridge. Nearly 100 of those photos exhibited, quote, some type of phenomena. Subsequent analysis show a predominance of orbs, both singular and multiple, of varying shape, size, color, and density, they noted. Further, a rather substantial unexplained mist of man-sized proportion and shape was captured on film at the same time that an investigator reached out to an audible external noise. The team concluded that Poinsett Bridge is, if not haunted, at the very least, a place of highly elevated paranormal occurrences. Other experts on paranormal activity visited the bridge and found that there was a great deal of electromagnetic field, or EMF, activity. The EMF activity appeared to move out of the area because it was never in the same place. It seemed like something was walking between and around us for a good portion of the time that we were standing still on the bridge, wrote Tina McSwain, founder of the Charlotte Area Paranormal Society. However, when we would go back in an effort to debunk the reading, the KII would now not spike in that area. So you may be wondering, is Poinsett Bridge indeed haunted? Once you have all the facts, you can decide for yourself. Coming up on South Carolina Spook Show. We've had our fair share of cryptids and urban legends in this state, such as the Hound of Goshen and the Lizard Man. But can we now add Bigfoot to that list? Stay tuned for more South Carolina Spook Show coming up. Life isn't always easy. In fact, we all battle depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the thing that we can rely on to get us through the tough times we all face. The podcast, When Words Fail, Music Speaks, with host James and Blake, discusses the healing power of music. They interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and a lot more. On When Words Fail, Music Speaks, enjoy interviews and lively discussions about musicians and songs you know and love. This is a podcast any music lover will enjoy. Add When Words Fail, Music Speaks to your podcast playlist right now. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Mysteries lurk deep in the cypress and pines of the South Carolina Lowcountry, and every so often, those mysteries step right out into the daylight. Around noon on August 2nd, Robert Frady was traveling with his sister and brother along the narrow roads of Hunting Island. Located near Beaufort, about halfway between Hilton Head and the Kiowa Islands, Hunting Island is one of the last undeveloped stretches of South Carolina coastline, a state park with forests so thick that you'd vanish from sight three steps in. As Frady and his siblings rounded a bend, they spotted something. Just a few feet from their front bumper, he says was a beast standing between five and six feet tall with long brownish red fur. Frady, who spent years hiking the Appalachian Trail, knew he wasn't looking at a bear, 
something much closer to a human. As soon as the creature heard their engine, it darted into the woods, disappearing in an instant. I was astounded, Freddy tells Garden and Gun, but at the same time, being a scientist, I thought, collect the data. Yes, Freddy is a scientist, a retired clinical forensic psychologist, in fact, who's worked with Georgia's Department of Corrections for nearly 50 years, with extensive experience in observation and data collection. After a few fruitless minutes peering into the woods, Frady took his story to state park officials, who pledged to look into the matter more deeply. Who pledged to look into the matter more deeply. And then, as one does in these situations, he went on the internet and filed a report with the Bigfoot Field Research Organization. He went on the internet and filed a report with the Bigfoot Field Research Organization. Founded in 1995 with a website that looks like it hasn't been upgraded since then, the BFRO bills itself as, quote, the only scientific research organization exploring the Bigfoot slash Sasquatch mystery. The organization tracks all reported encounters with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Skunk Ape, etc., now in every state except for Hawaii, ranking each on a scale. Class C is rumor, or secondhand information. Class B involves a low light or distant view, and Class A entails a clear daylight sighting. BFRO's president, Matt Moneymaker, dismisses skepticism as easily as a Bigfoot would swat away mosquitoes. Quote, It's natural and normal for people to be puzzled how something like these things could exist, Moneymaker says. These are things that can live like animals, but are as intelligent as people. Look, the jokes about low country Bigfoot pretty much write themselves. Hey, if Beaufort County is good enough for authors, movie stars, and billionaires, why not Bigfoot? But Frady isn't some movie cliche loon squawking about an alien abduction. Something about his delivery, not to mention his professional background, along with those of his siblings, a teacher and a counselor, makes you consider the fact in a different light. These three witnesses, they're very reliable, Moneymaker says. This was in daylight, 20 feet in front of the car. This is not just a Class A, but an A+. A month after the sighting, Freddy hasn't heard back from the state yet on his Bigfoot investigation, and he honestly doesn't expect to. Working in government, I know how, as things go up the chain of command, things tend to be squashed, he laughs. If it had been up to me, I would have had half a dozen biologists out there. Still, sometime soon, Freddy would love to see an expedition form to investigate the mysterious Bigfoot and bring back some video, and he'd be more than happy to join that expedition. I'm a scientist, and I would love anything to find some more data on it, he says. I know it was there. everybody thank you again for listening to another episode of south carolina spook show if you enjoyed this episode i would really appreciate it if you would share this with some friends or some family members that maybe enjoy paranormal and true crime stories especially if they're from the state of south carolina you can let them know that we're available on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and so much more and wherever you're listening if you can leave a rating and review it would help the show more than you could possibly imagine i've actually got a review here on apple podcasts from Hiana S. uh, that said, if you're looking to learn about South Carolina 
and to be spooked at the same time. No need to look any further. And they gave me five stars on Apple Podcasts. So once again, thank you so much for doing that. If you would like to leave me a rating and review, I would be so happy to share that here on on a future episode. Uh, of South Carolina Spook Show. So, and actually, I've started using the Q&A on uh, Spotify uh, for some of my listeners, and I actually got a response here on our Charleston Jail episode. Tier Archimus uh, replied and said, just as a heads up that you can't tour the jail now, uh, it's being renovated by the college. So it's really sad. I really wanted to make my way over to Charleston one of these days and explore that, but it looks like that's not going to be able to happen now. No worries, though. There's plenty more Uh, ghost stories and spooky things going on in Charleston, South Carolina that I'm sure I can find. If you want to stay up to date, uh, you can follow the show on social media. It's on Facebook and Instagram. It's at South Carolina Spook Show. Also on Twitter, if anybody uses that anymore, it's at SC Spook Show. Uh, And I would love if you would send your own personal stories or if you had any ideas for future episodes. There's multiple ways that you can reach out to me. The best way being um, the email address that we have for the show. It's scspookshow at gmail.com or you can shoot me a message on any of these social media sites that I mentioned before. If you don't mind, check out my other podcast. It's called When Words Fail, Music Speaks. I do that with my buddy James Cox. It's all about music uh, and battling depression with the power of music. So it's a a great show. We have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, We take mental health and music very seriously, so it's a a lot of fun for us. The Darkest Night, the 13-year-long investigation into the murder of a missing teen, was written for abcnews.com. The Unexplainable Happenings of Poinsett Bridge at Night was written by Celeste Hawkins for TravelersRestHere.com. And Bigfoot in Beaufort, a scientist story of a low country sighting might just make you believe, was written by Jay Busey for GardenAndGun.com. All articles read on South Carolina Spook Show are the property of their respective authors and is used for purposes of commentary and review. No copyright infringement is intended. Thank you again for listening. I'm your creator and host, Blake Mosley, and this is South Carolina Spook Show. Y'all stay spooky.